Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. And with us for this very special episode is our friend of the podcast, Sherry. Sherry, say hi. Hi, everyone. It's nice to be back. Thank you very much. It's nice having you back for what is our 50th episode. Woohoo! 5-0. I like to stretch and talk. I'm 50. <laughs> We're going to be dropping lots of Saturday Night Live uh, references in this episode. Because later. <laughs> later in the episode, we're going to talk about. I'm going to talk about two movies that I grew up watching: Wayne's World and Wayne's World Two. But Nancy's going to get us started off, and I know that this is a favorite of Sherry's. That's why she's here. Thank you very much. Nancy's going to get us started off with the movie Singles. So the great, great thing about talking about the Wayne's World movies and singles is that they all came out around the same time. Yeah. So singles came out in the fall of 1992. I'm fairly certain Matt and I saw it in the theater together with my my couple of my girlfriends, Lena and Amy. That sounds correct. Of course yes. you did. Of course you saw it in the theater. Of yep. course I did. Because I had three movie theaters in walking distance. I know. I got yep. so robbed. <laughs> so we so we saw this movie, and I'm going to just start off right now and say this is a soundtrack I've probably listened to 50,000 times. I mean, it's Matt, you know, teases me for all the soundtracks that I buy, but this is absolutely one that I love very much. It's my favorite soundtrack. Well, there you go. See? And the soundtrack came out three months before the movie. I don't remember That's the crazy. timing of that. But <laughs> hey, they were they were riding that grunge wave as much as they could. And there you go. Yeah. So this is also a Cameron Crowe movie. You know, we've talked about several Cameron Crowe movies during the course of our, you know, podcasting history here. In fact, our very first episode involved a Cameron Crowe movie that came out a few years before Singles. Um, But this is, you know, set in Seattle because that's where Cameron Crowe loves to make all his movies. And it's got, you know, it's not typical ensemble it's about love. It's about people not figuring out what kind of relationships they want or how to make them work. And uh, great music. Um, Matt Dillon in a very unlikable role. Um, we'll, we'll get oh, my into, God. This we'll, might be one of the most likable roles that we've talked about him in. Because I did not really care for him and to die for. A very different kind of character, though. Yeah, but... Um, but, yeah, I mean, we've got... Cam- uh, Campbell Scott plays Steve. Um, he kind of kicks off the story, and he and Kira Sedgwick are paired up. Her name's Linda. And then we've got Bridget Fonda and Matt Dillon. They're kind of in there on again, off again. She she thinks it's way more serious than he ever does, and it's really, really uncomfortable watching her now, you know, her being 23, because when, when I saw this, I was turning 16. And... Um, it, it didn't seem as uncomfortable watching her because she was older than me. Her character was older than me. It's like, okay, well, maybe this is what can happen to a, you know, young woman trying to figure out relationships. And, oh, man, it's very, it's just really just sad. <laughs> watching, it, it's different watching it now and watching her. Yes. Watching yeah, the her. Per- my, you know, my point of view of her being very desperate to try to, like, be with Cliff. Cliff. 
is no. Well, and, and I think that she has this kind of vision of, you know, she she talks in early in the movie about how, you know, I'm 23. And I thought, like, when, I was, when I'm 23, yeah. I'll have five kids and a cat yeah. and a dog and a house and all this kind of stuff, which she was not in that place in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's, like, other side characters in the movie. And biggest surprise for me re- re-watching it today was that the the very kind of looking for love, very active kind of A-type personality character, Debbie, played by Sheila Kelly, um, she ends up hooking up with Victor Garber. Like, I completely forgot, forgot that that's Victor Garber. The, Alias baby. The, <laughs> you know, the guy who ends up loving her, complimenting her yeah. ear- earrings, and that because becomes everything she wants. But she was totally tapping into the um, using... Social networking it was of video, the early nineties. Yeah. <laughs> video dating. Video <laughs> dating. Where I mean, you recorded so you recorded a video cassette of yourself trying to sell yourself and and then that was shown to other people yeah. that you were trying to hook up with and then you got their videotapes back and yeah. you picked one and you set up a date. I mean It's wild. She didn't even need Tim Burton directing her video though. I mean, because she just Met that guy randomly. It's yeah. so bizarre. I mean, it, you know, so, so I mean, yeah. swiping right is definitely like swiping left or swiping right is a huge like advancement to video dating. Oh probably. man, or, or, or just so many things, and it just was wild. But um, so, like we were saying earlier, like music is a huge part of this movie. Matt Dillon's character plays a musician. Was the name of his band Citizen Dick? Citizen Dick. Yes. Citizen Dick. Yeah. He's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but I think, like, Eddie Vedder and was there another person yeah, from so Pearl the, Jam yeah, in the band? Stone, okay. Stone Gossard and Jeff Amen are also in the band with him. Also, yeah. Yeah. From another band, Mother Love Bone. Yeah. Um, Eddie was not in that band, but... Uh, Lots Andrew of Seattle won. connections, I have too. comments about that. We can get to those la- that later. Yeah. Um, uh, let, let, let's, let's be very clear that the character known as the music in this movie is probably better than some of the other characters in this movie. Sure. I mean, I have a favorite character, which I'll reveal later, but, yeah. and it's a person. It's not the music. I can actually say there's an actor in the movie. But, but, but favorite. I mean, when this movie came out, I think that a lot of the hype around it came around the idea of the music. Well, this also came out right, right after the summer of 92 and summer of 92, I believe was the second year of Lollapalooza, which I believe yes. this was the Lollapalooza that had like the Seattle grunge bands yes. headlining. Yeah. So a lot of them. I mean, Cameron Crowe couldn't have selected a better so. soundtrack to kind of launch this movie. And I think truly the soundtrack over time has been more memorable than the movie itself. I, if you allow me a little bit, I, please me. Um, I want to elaborate on, on how it came to be a little bit. So Cameron originally had this movie set in Phoenix back in the eighties. He tried to get it made and it got really way delayed. And Johnny Depp was actually supposed to play Steve Campbell, Steve yeah. back in the early eighties. Uh, apparently he didn't want to play the part because he wasn't ready to say I love you on screen yet is what his biggest complaint was. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it was delayed, and, and in that time, Crow had moved to Seattle. You know, him and Nancy got married. He was there when um, Andy Wood passed away from Mother Love Bone. Uh, Andy 
let me start by saying I am a huge Mother Love Bone fan. So in their first album, their only album, came out days after he passed away. Mm. And Cameron was so moved by the way that the community, the music community, you know, uh, rallied around him passing away and everything that he wanted to rewrite his movie to kind of talk about that scene Mm -hmm. in Seattle. Uh, because of this, uh, the movie ended up being filmed right on the precipice of Seattle music exploding into, you know, oblivion. Right. Mm -hmm. So smells like teen spirit actually delayed, uh, debuted on MTV in like fall of 91 because of that, it was the movie was done, I think, who knows, like probably late by late 91 because it was start. They started filming, I think, in um, March 91. Mm. And Warner Brothers kept delaying the movie because grunge was so was just like becoming this huge thing. And they like they were trying to pick like the right to, time, yeah, like the best yeah. time to launch the so, movie. So they actually so so a, so a <clears throat> distribution company actually made a really smart decision <laughs> well and, and they released and they, this... so they had to start begging them to do it and i guess somebody i forget where i read this but some someone's kids were like you have pearl jam in a movie and you guys haven't released it like what's wrong with you you know yeah well and so. and like i said they, they released the soundtrack three months earlier knowing like let's 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 tease this and then people will see the movie and then so many people that are involved in that music scene at that time are in the movie and they might have a non-speaking part or a very small part, but you had, you could go and watch this movie and then see not just the story, but you know, your, you know, rock idols or at the time Look, in a movie. There's a performance by, by Soundgarden at there's one of the clubs. Yeah. Oh, you've got, then, you got and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden performing. Right, right. You've and got, and these are all bands that were exploding at that time. Yeah. So. And originally, Cameron wanted Chris to play Cliff's part, but he decided later that he could have the best of both worlds, have someone act... Chris Cornell. Instead, yes. yes. And have a different Cliff, because he didn't want Chris to become, like, it to become a joke, you know, instead of him being, you know, the frontman of Soundgarden. Yeah, because Cliff um, is a joke. Let's right. So he didn't want that to, like, mix... The idea of that to mix and, let, and let's say and let's point out specifically the <laughs> scene where they're reading the review and how it's all just negative yeah. i wouldn't want to see chris cornell have to sit through reading an article about how he's not good because he's such an amazing singer right so right. that was i know singer. i know um so yeah that that wouldn't have worked either no yeah, that's my favorite scene in the whole movie. I've always loved that scene at uh, the restaurant when they're reading oh, the yes, review. Yes, and I always, I still <laughs> I don't say want negative. a compliment for us is a compliment for you. Well, one one other thing that is really interesting about that is so Chris was friends with Cameron when they're making this movie, Chris Cornell, and um, the band, the fake band, Citizen Dick, they ha- they play a song that's ca- that in in the movie called um, "Touch Me, I'm Dick." Which is actually a Mud Honey song called "Touch Me, I'm Sick." Mm-hmm. Just re- just with that one line changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it could mean that you can touch me, and my name is Dick. But depends on where the comma is. <laughs> yeah. Commas are very important, right? <laughs> but, and if you capitalize D. <laughs> yeah. So, so at one point during the filming, Cameron had made up like a like a, a fake list of of songs that t- that Citizen Dick had had made, and. 
Chris Cornell saw this fake track listing mm-hmm. and actually wrote songs mm. for every one. Cool. And the song Seasons that is oh, on yeah. the on, on the soundtrack is one of those songs. Sweet. And then the Soundgarden song that came out a few years later, Spoon Man, mm-hmm. was one of those songs. Oh, really? And you can actually hear like a, a, a brief demo of it in the movie. That was sweet. So, I mean, there's, I think that, just based on the short conversation we're have, having so far about all the music, again, the music is a huge part oh, yeah. of this movie. <laughs> well, it's, it's central. It's, yeah. It's, it's the it reason why it means so much to me. I, I mean, mean you, can, you can even argue the fact that, like, even even all of the love stories are all intertwined with the music. because course. Because um, Steve, Campbell Scott... And Linda meet at a club. Yes, and and, yeah, and, and, and so and, much of Bridget Fonda's attraction to Cliff is well, he's, he's a, a musician. It's like uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's an artist. Well, I have to tell you that scene. I know if uh, I'll talk about that for a second when he sees her in the club and Allison Chains is playing one of my favorite bands, and they're playing it ain't like that off a facelift. Amazing performance. If some guy tried to hit on me while I was trying to watch Lane sing, it would be, it would be forget it. Like, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> it's not happening right now. Later. I don't and think, that, I don't think Linda you. seemed that. No, she's Allison not. She's James. just hanging out. But I just th- thought about me. And I, I every time I, for, from the first time I've seen that movie, I was always like, oh my God. You probably would have been closer to the stage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but th- this movie also, just a really quick mention has a couple of the normal uh, Cameron Crowe characters. We've got Eric Stoltz as the mime. Yeah. He's so good. The first time I scene. saw it, I thought it was Chris Cornell for a second and still he started talking. Yeah. Him, and, him as that mime is so good. And then... Maybe I've been hurt! And then... Um, the, the guy in the... In the Jeremy scene, Piven? Jeremy Piven. I wanted to say Gil Bellows, and I knew that wasn't right. Yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy Piven. Piven is the uh, obnoxious uh, store clerk... That we see later yeah. with uh, Campbell Scott. Well, yeah, and he and you know his character in the movie, he goes, "Hey, we had this class together," and I guess the teacher that they're referencing was a teacher from Fast Times, which Cameron Crowe wrote. So, you know, again, he's definitely he likes to intertwine those yeah. early movies. I did not know that Jeremy Piven and John Cusack are like best friends. So there's your Cusack connection. That's what I said. They, they've yeah. been in so many movies together. Yeah. I mean, it makes almost, sense, though. It's so many. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just like a bit part for Jeremy Piven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're you're forgetting. I mean, maybe you're about to mention this. Bill Pullman as no, the doctor? No. Well. Who is great. Bill. Okay. We'll talk about Bill Pullman right now. Bill Pullman, who fits all of the criteria. I know. She's ridiculous. Of, of her list uh, of... Uh, <laughs> Janet's list of things that she wants. Yeah. I mean, if she would have sneezed in that doctor's office, oh, yeah. he would have said, bless you. And th- they should have been the ones hooking up. Yeah. No. I'm going to talk about your boyfriend, Tom Skinner. No, we're not going. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, it only it, it only lasted for the movie Alien. You had, you had to start laughing. Oh, you, no, you, I you did. You remembered he was the mayor. I don't know no, if you no, I did. I did. I was like, mm, was this is funny. not, no, no. <laughs> And apparently he's apparently he's from Seattle, so oh fun! It, that's it, 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 that it made. But but he dogged the super train. He's like, um, I like my car. Sorry. <laughs> People love their cars, so my answer is no. 
Yeah, yeah, Matt. Yeah, I knew yes, you were going to bring that up. Bill Pullman is is definitely great. Well, what's and... so great about Bill Pullman, too, is just like he's so... He was so gentle with her in trying to help her see... Lady, you don't need to change anything. Your your dumb boyfriend's blind. What's his problem? I love when he said, "Do you like jogging?" Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be a problem. <laughs> and yeah, they just kept playing. Like, like, oh my god, she's so tiny. I'm like, Bill Pullman I, was a plastic surgeon. Yes, <laughs> because Janet asked stupid Cliff, "Are my boobs not big enough for you?" And then decides, well, I'll get- sometimes. 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 Yeah. At least he was honest with her. Ugh. Sometimes. I tell you, this sounds kind of silly, but watching that movie as a teenager and that and that scene when the doctor tries to tell her all that, and you know, it it was nice. Like it was nice, but oh. This movie came, again, this movie came out right before I turned 16. Yeah. This, like, lays a lot of groundwork for what I expected yeah. in yeah. relationships. And I'm just going to note this, everyone, so you guys know. America, whenever I sneeze, Jack says tight. So, there we go. I never have to ask. He just always says that. When I not, first, not God bless you, because that's nicer. When I first heard <laughs> it, that's nice. Thank you. So, so, it's so. What does Kazumtite mean? It's not the it's not it's the same in June. To, to good health. Oh, okay. <laughs> when I first started dating him, he, he didn't do it a lot. He does it more now. Hey. But I thought I used to think about it. I was like, you impolite. Mm. He did, but he did. Wow. I get her toilet paper when she runs he out. Did. He, did. He, did. <laughs> he did, but I did. It used to cross my mind, like, hmm. Yeah. No, this movie laid down like so many expectations. I mean, and obviously. Like I said, I never wanted a Cliff Janet kind of situation because clearly she was just, oh, I mean, the fact that she's debating, okay, it's been an hour. He's, he's really, really late now. I guess I should try calling him. Oh, wait, let me throw some baskets. And if I get it in, or wait, no, wait, was it if I don't get it in? No. Two out of three. (laughs) Have you never done that though? Have you been like, oh no, I mean, I'm just saying. Not the calling guy, but I mean, like trying to make a, if I make this basket, (laughs) if I do this thing. Watching her now is just so painful. Yeah. And even watching some of the stuff that Kira Sedgwick does, like just how like guarded and busted she is, and then she's no got more this, games. Then she's got this Andy dude with his ponytail. You when Kira, he's when sensitive ponytail like, man. He's a, he's got a ponytail, right? <laughs> I mean, just all of it, <laughs> such a mess. Can I just tell you right now who my favorite character is? It's Steve. Yeah, me too. Steve is my favorite too. Steve, I kind of feel the, like he's Steve probably is... the most grounded of all the characters. Yeah. I, I still, I also do like Mrs. Jack Skellington. Who's that? Just kidding. Bridget Fonda. Bridget Fonda okay. is married to Danny Elfman. Um, Janet, but. Uh, she but yeah, drives me crazy. I know, I know. But I get it. But, you know, Steve is my favorite, too. So, back to some personal connections, because Sherry shared a lot of the uh, music music connections that she connected with so early on. In the At, at the 1 minute 20 second mark, I gotta tell you how thrilled I was that it they drive right by the Neptune. I was just there this past December. Nice. One of the last trips I got to go on before the coronavirus struck everybody um, I've been to Seattle a couple times in the last few years 
and um, I've been in the fall both times, and I mean, I love it there. I mean, if I couldn't live where we live here, I would want to live up there. I just think it's so beautiful, and to just kind of take in all the sights and just kind of, you know, and I'll tell you guys, because I, I have friends that live up there, they complain about the traffic now, so I can't even imagine how wor- how much worse it's gotten it's from bad. the early 90s of when Campbell Scott was trying to design a right. super train to what a disaster it is now. Um, yeah, I mean, how this, I mean, I've been to Seattle once, but when I was going to go to college, my friend and I, we wanted to go to UW. My parents would not let me leave out of state, but that's where I wanted to go. Mm. Um, I've always also thought that. I also have family up there, but if I wasn't here, I could, I could yeah, definitely awesome. live there. And that, that, yeah, that Pacific Northwest, Northwest um, feel is just. Yeah. I'd probably have to go on antidepressants because it rains so much and so cloudy. (laughs) That's true. I mean, I I understand that. I'm not, I feel, I don't feel a lot of comfort from the cloudy wetness. You've been there too. You know what though? I have been there and I've been there when it's rained many times. Our state's on fire right now though. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly my thought too. Who knows what's going to happen in the next five or 10 years. So yeah, but yeah, but no, it, it was, it's just really nice kind of revisiting a movie that again was so integral more for the music than anything, but also just kind of watching like what young adults trying to navigate relationships could do, you know, and, and, you know, again, none of these, none of these actors other than maybe Matt Dillon were like the biggest A-list stars ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kira Sedgwick became much bigger as time went by. With, and, not at the time, with her though, giant yeah. mouth. With her giant mouth and with her husband, because she's Mrs. Kevin Bacon. Right, mm-hmm. but I swear um, she has like she's, she's got, got a she's large got mouth. It, and, and like the same number of teeth a shark has. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you are not into that. Like that's your problem with Julia ha- Roberts too. Yeah, she. I mean, it's like it goes she's to got her a very big smile. It's like it goes to her ears. Yeah. <laughs> so let me just interject real quick, Matt, or let me finish my thought. Um, <laughs> the the romantic moments between her and Steve, I think are superior to any of the other r- attempts at romance in this whole movie. Oh, of like, course, yes. They know, have a just, real connection. Yeah. Just, you know, I was nowhere near your neighborhood. And, yeah. yeah. And that, then, that is where the rom-com aspect of it comes from. And then, and guys, after he, after Tom Skerritt, you know, th- plunged a dagger in his heart and broke broke his super train into a million pieces, and then when he was living like a hermit for a while... He straight up says, because Bridget Fonda is worried about him, he goes, you have no idea how little you ever need to leave your house. You never I need to leave. I know, I had the same thought. <laughs> I, I made Jack in come in and watch it. I made Jack come in and watch it. I said, he's predicting coronavirus 22 years, 28 <laughs> years in the future. All right. Um, so I remember watching this movie in the theater and um, coming home and then watching it um, various times, you know, having it on. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times, like, like really kind of watching it to revisit the music yeah. and stuff like that. But rewatching it this time, from the moment uh, Paul Westerberg started in the opening credits, yes, I, was I started having this vibe. And I, I, I started having this feeling, and then I did some research about this movie. In my research, my vibe was confirmed. They, at one point, that said, hey, we've had a lot of success with that movie, Singles, Cameron. 
how, what do you think about turning this into a television show? Oh, good. You're going to bring this up from us in the talk. And Jason knows about this. What, how, what do you think about bring, turning this into a television show? Uh, I don't know. Let me think about it. And he kind of worked on it a little bit. And then he said, you know what? I just want to, I don't want to get into television. I don't want to do it. Did a so, lady named Martha Kaufman take over? Mm, yes. Warner Brothers. And ultimately, the idea was sold to the people who created Friends. Yep. Well, he didn't sell it. He... And that doesn't the, surprise me. And to this day, I guess Cameron Crowe's mom is like, "You idiot! You could have had <laughs> friends." <laughs> well, but and but and the reason why the song did that is because. I was listening to the song and I'm like, this is very poppy. Wait, this is very much okay. like the theme okay. to Friends. I have to say this though. In like, you're not in try- like, I'm, I'm not trying to diss. The ripped off Paul not, Westerberg. Well, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm not trying to diss Paul Westerberg, but that same vibe of like that, like the upbeat song. Mm-hmm. I mean, his songs are the most upbeat probably on this whole soundtrack. And um, you don't think Chloe Dancer is upbeat? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> No, <laughs> but that is an amazing song. Oh, I love it. But um, but I was like, oh my god, oh, yeah, this has fun this. Rachel. And then with everything, know, with all I mean, the characters and everything, I was like, this. Yeah. Is, I mean, and this Ross is, and his bad music. They all live in the same apartment yeah. building no, it's, and it's, everything. And I'm like, this is Friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the second time we've talked yeah. about and Friends. And Nancy and I are huge from, Friends fans. But yeah. From Saint Elmo's Fire, but yeah. I mean, this is Friends, and sure enough. That's what happened. Hmm. That's so, craziness. I will, and since you mentioned Paul, I was going to mention Paul, and obviously he is a huge part of why this soundtrack and the score is amazing. When I first watched this movie, I was like, I really like these songs, but I had no idea at that time who the replacements were, and I didn't know that he was in a band. I thought he was like, you know, more of a just solo kind of like singer person. But you know what's funny about those songs, about Dyslexic Heart and uh, Waiting for Somebody is that those were, I believe, pretty much his first solo work that he did that, well, premiered, it was shown as solo work. Uh, so it's just kind of funny that it started that way um, after, you know, the replacements were no more. So. Mm-hmm. Well, aren't, aren't those two songs a little bit of a diversion? A I little think, different from sure. what he normally did? Well, sure, and he's oh. not, you know, he's was Minneapolis-based, so, I mean, he's not a Seattle, neither is Smashing Pumpkins, but... They're, they've mm. always like they're all they're they're definitely more of like a a pop like from the rock version of pop not like in sync pop but they they are definitely more of a of a pop group. Well, they started out but, as a but, rock band, use replacements um, within your reach on some yes things, yes so. he did right. he's but, a huge um, he's a huge Paul fan. But yeah, that whole. That whole kind of uh, friends. So this might get crazy morbid right now, but I'm going to tell you a quick little story about listening to the soundtrack on like a little trip I did one time. Okay. So senior year, we were on spring break. I went to Santa Cruz for the day with one person, and we were just getting to know each other, but we did both like a lot of the same music, and we listened to this soundtrack the whole way there, the whole drive back. And when we were driving back, we like you know turn off the turn off the music for a while and just leave on the radio, and it's the day that Kurt Cobain died. Wow. Yep. Wow. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, because here we were already kind of immersed in Seattle music all day, kind of like had it on our minds, and I'm sure we'd already t- we were probably talked about Nirvana throughout the day, too, off and on too. But yeah. anyways, my music connection to that day is I was in Rasputin's 
when they really? when I heard it on the radio. Really? You were at Rasputin's. I was at Rasputin's was at looking through the used bins, and they announced it on the radio, and I, and I just remember being like, what the fuck? I know <laughs> that we're old enough to, we were alive when John Lennon was shot, but it is the it is the John Lennon was shot of our, our, yes. our generation. Yeah. Like, yeah. people yeah. remember where they were. Yeah. Um, I, was, I, was, I was on, I was, older. I was on 880 North, probably passing where Tesla currently is right now when mm-hmm. we finally heard the news. Yeah. Interesting. Similar story. Um, Mother Love Bone, who was on the soundtrack with Chloe Dancer, Crown of Florence, I think in two trips that Sherry and I took to Santa Cruz. We listened to that out al- to their album. Mm. And on one of them, um, our friend Drew was with us, and he could not believe that Sherry knew lyrics to so many of those songs because she loved them so much. And and it's like, what? I, it's not just Chloe Dancer. No, <laughs> she knows them all. And um, we were all Chloe very Dancer. impressed. I love. I love that band. In fact, I like Pearl Jam a lot, but if I had to pick like a Stone band that I like, it's I Mother Love Bone is yeah, it's more even though they only have one album, but yeah, it's it means a lot to me. Yeah. So we so Sherry already talked about her favorite scene being when they're reading the review and <laughs> Matt Dillon's like oh, I don't want anything negative. They were ably backed by um, Jeff and Stone. Do you and have a favorite scene? <clears throat> I I really <laughs> honestly. Um, because I'm not really into movies like this, uh-huh. the music is definitely the thing that um, I gravitate towards. So all the scenes in the clubs, mm. so seeing Soundgarden play, one of my favorite Soundgarden songs. You, you love Soundgarden. I'd almost say, it, I mean, are they your favorite, like... From that era, well, other from, than Nirvana, but... You know what, though? I really liked Alice, I really like Alice in Chains, too, but... Um, so seeing those performances with the original band um, was great. But um, if I have to pick a non-club scene, mm-hmm. it might be the scene, the other scene between Cliff and Janet and the guys in the band when they're watching the nature, <laughs> the nature yeah, video of great. the bees. Oh, and, yeah. and Cliff is over there talking like, Man, maybe Portland just isn't our town. You know, maybe, maybe I don't know. We're big in but, Belgium, but, but we and are Italy. big in Belgium and Italy. <laughs> and the guy and the ba- guys in the band are like, "Shh, we're watching this." <laughs> the second shush is the best, and Eddie's like, "Shh." Yeah, <laughs> that seems pretty great. I think that I agree that Cliff is ridiculous as a person, yeah. but as a character in this movie, he's great. He's pretty. He, yeah. He's funny. <laughs> My favorite scene is after um, after Steve. He poured his heart out on a busted answering machine, so she never got the message. But then over time, she realized... I love that scene. Man, she probably should go go check on him, and he answers the door, and she kind of feeds his line back to her. It's like, oh, there's nowhere in your neighborhood. And then he just looks at her because he's just so broken. He's like, what took you so long? And then she's like... It was bad traffic. <laughs> but no. Because so they're my favorite couple in it, even though she's yeah. got a giant smile. But what I want to ask you, Matt, do you think she'd be like a big Bernie supporter if she was the oh, same yeah. character right now? Oh, yes. Who, Kira Sedgwick? Yeah. Probably. 
Yeah. It's interesting think to see globally, like, act locally. I, I mean, know. That's, it's interesting that's to see like the like the the ultra environmentalists of the early '90s in Seattle. That was interesting. I I just wanted to say mm-hmm. the whole like when she comes and sees him and. Um, he says that line, what took you so long? Mm-hmm. That is the gender reversal of, of, um, you had me at hello. Well, that's funny. Cause mm-hmm. I think the same director directed that. Wonderful exactly. Movie. <laughs> that's okay. Which that's Jerry Cantrell is in. And, and this <laughs> came out before Jerry Maguire. So. Yeah. It's okay. It's and not, I don't think it's as iconic and I don't, no, it's, it's not, not as bold. No, no, yeah, because no, Tom no, Cruise no. isn't in that movie. Jerry Maguire <laughs> is, is better, is a better movie too, but. Um, Debatable. <laughs> it depends on the movie. Wait a minute. Take this the is the, music out this of This is singles. the platform for that debate, isn't it? <laughs> better movie. <laughs> They're very different. They're very different. One they is music are. based, one is sports based, and they're they're different. I, I think it's a more mature movie. And one I, is I focusing I, on I think one person I've more. I've seen Jerry Maguire and like Jerry Maguire more overall than singles. Ooh. But there's so much about I've singles, seen singles more times, I that I like so much. Sure. Like we said, the music is a big thing. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Matt is so tortured at just the thought of it. I'm not that tor- I mean like I said I've seen this movie a number of times but a lot of it is more again because of the music the music scene that it's talking about or commenting on I did not know until I did some of my research that he originally had it based in in Arizona yeah um and then moved it you know up mm. north but uh, he he cited in an article I was reading that he uh, was inspired by the way Spike Lee portrays Brooklyn and Do the Right Thing, mm. and also um, Woody Allen's Manhattan, which he said he loves, which I also mm-hmm. love. Uh, He's very immersed mm-hmm. like, in the scene. Yeah, so showcasing like you know a community and in, in that mm-hmm. with that lens, like the way that they do. Yeah, listeners, I'm going to be posting a photo on our Instagram of one of my recent trips of us in Seattle and there was a neighborhood I walked by. And again, I was there it was when I went in November and, you know, it'd been raining a little bit. So it's just the way that this building looks and the way all the leaves were on the ground. It just felt so much like mm-hmm. this apartment complex. It, it just, might've been where I don't know if it been. exactly was. And I, I can't think, re- tell I you what neighborhood like it was in. Yeah. Capitol like Hill. But I'll post the photo, and when I walked by, I was like, ah, this makes me feel like I'm in the singles movie right now. Well, and if you go there and the fountain's not there, that's because the fountain was fake. That was part, they they brought, they made the fountain out of foam Mm. and put it there, so. It's funny, there's a fountain in the Friends opening. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That that they jump around in. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. But they Uh, put water in that one. (laughs) I think it, and, and I think. I'm I'm pretty sure about this. The first time you and I went to Seattle was a few like a year or two after this movie came out. Yeah, it was in the summer '94. Yeah. So. Yep. Not that I mean, just yeah, two less years than later. a year. Yeah. Or because this or no two you know, yeah. you're right almost two years. So. Yep. So you guys went you went there first we, together. Yes, we, we, we had we a breeze through there. To we, had family, family, we had a family. We had a family reunion. Family. We, yeah, yeah, we yeah. flew okay. up there. Alaska. That was the first time I ever flown on a plane. You've been there me, up there more uh, than me. That was, that was your second time, time because um, I went to Disney World like a month before. And I've been to Portland a few times. And we got our rental car, went to Seattle for a few hours, if that, and then drove up north to see family. Yeah, yeah, because that's what 
this movie, this show is also about our family. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that was that was, and I remember going there and being like, "This is nice." Yeah. And it was, I think it was summer and it, it was, was still August. cloudy. It was still cloudy. Yeah. <laughs> By the time we got up to visit our family up in the, um, a kind of Mount Vernonish area, um, super sunny, super beautiful. You know, just warm days up there. When we were yeah. There, but that's what summertime is. So, yeah. anyways, well, do we have any other final thoughts about singles before we move over to Aurora, Illinois? I, uh, Channel 10? I I met someone in the singles movie, even though very briefly. Mark Arm from Mud Honey with Gus Van Zant moving stuff into a van and, and there were... Oh, yeah. 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 So, nice. I, I met Mark Arm, but it's just, it's, a, it's pretty funny that they, they, he, how he manages to get, like... Lots of people in the movie. I love it. So yeah, I mean, one of the expect the best guys is the um, guy who who started Sub Pop Records. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Janet calls, thinks she's calling Cliff with the whole sexy call, <laughs> and the other guy on the end, that's the that um, is one of the guys in the band Tad from San, from Seattle. I mean, that's funny. Lots of random Seattle folks in this. So. I, uh, one, one other comment about music that I, I feel is important just because the song, it starts out the soundtrack and there's a big connection to what I was talking about. Cameron was inspired to change around the movie plot is that Allison changes, changes, uh, song wood, uh, is spelled like, would you, but it's actually about Andy Wood, uh, that Jerry wrote. Um, about him and who's Andy Wood? He is the a singer mother of Mother Love, Love. Oh, okay. that passed that away. Yeah. The, yeah. The, and so, uh, Jerry made a, a song like kind of about passing judgment on people and, and him being frustrated by that. And, um, it's evident in some of the lyrics, like when he says, So I made a big mistake, try to see it once my way, you know, things like that. So, so uh, people they were close friends and basically yeah. basically commenting on the idea that you know regardless of what this guy did in his personal life you know he was still a good person and don't don't judge right. him for his, right. for, exactly for, the, for the things that he's done yeah. yeah i mean jerry's had a lot of loss in his life and people that he loves so that are close to musicians and seattle people so it's yeah any other final thoughts nancy no, I'm just glad we were able to do this music, this movie, and I think it ties really nicely with the two movies we're going to talk about next. That's right, because these these movies have a lot of ties to music too, which I thought yeah. was really good for, oh, yeah. for because the characters that kind of started it all uh, in is really because of Mike Myers, you know. His, you know, how he grew up and what his friends were like. So in 1992, we finally get the big screen debut of Wayne's World, (laughs) which started out as a Saturday Night Live sketch created by Mike Myers based on his friends growing up. You know, these are what his kind of what his friends were like when they were teenagers. And um, so Mike Myers plays Wayne Campbell, and his best friend Garth is Garth Algars, played by Dana Carvey, who were both on Saturday Night Live, bringing this whole show together. 
and they have a public access television show called Wayne's World. And without going throughout throughout this entire plot, um, it's a boy meets girl. Movie. It's a boy meets girl movie. It's a boy who doesn't really know what he's doing with his life, but he loves his his television show and that he wants to keep doing that as his as his career and we see that over two movies. <laughs> yep. He's not a sellout. He tries not to be, no. But um at the beginning of the movie you see um Rob Lowe, who's the villain in this movie. So. And who who and he actually credits this movie for resurrecting his career. Yeah. Um in bed with Cameron Crowe movie alumni yeah, Ioni Sky. Mm-hmm. Boy came out after Wayne's World. Yeah. yeah. Ioni Sky. And he is a marketing executive who thinks that his client, which is an arcade, um, would be, you know, really get it launched if uh, if he can get Wayne's World on to be the the promotional tool. So he was Bill Murray's brother, who was also in yes. the Christmas Doyle. vacation. Yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Doyle. No, his name is Brian Doyle Murray. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know why I remembered his name first. I, uh, well, it's actually a hyphenated last name. Uh, Bill Murray. Okay. okay. I don't know the exact blood relationship to Bill Murray. Um, it's enough for them to look similar. Oh, yeah. I totally, when I learned that. And be in movies though. together. But this movie came out when I was in seventh grade. And yeah, I was in seventh grade, I had been exposed to a lot of music, but... I think that's, you know, that's kind of the beginning of the time where you start really using music yes. as your i like your identifier. Well, for us especially. <laughs> you know, how I mean, you how you it. define your identity a lot of times happen, you know, is because of the music you like for of a course. lot of people. And so this again was another kind of um I guess platform for music to be introduced to me and my friends and I remember watching the Saturday Night Live sketch before the movie had come out Mm -hmm. and being like what the hell is this you know and and you know Wayne's got Wayne and Garth have you know it opens with a guitar and there's like this whole kind of metal kind of background like this whole rock music background and everything surrounding them Um, so in the movie they go to clubs and all this stuff and I was like this is this is very relatable for me. <laughs> On top of all of that, it's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, I remember it's really funny. And the first one. So, so like, and and the humor is definitely directed towards like teenage boys. So, yes. um, that kind of and girls that also find those things funny. Yeah, there's not <laughs> there the female representation in these movies is not that... is not the, well, no, the best. But, no, but. The, jo- the jokes, is, but yeah. um, but yeah, it's uh, like people in, like me and Nancy. There are also <laughs> there there are classic Wayne's World lines that um from the that kind of started with the the Saturday Night Live sketches that made their way into this movie that I do not necessarily use in my common vernacular, but there are ones from these movies that I do and um. Like, excuse me, baking powder. I, that's one that I use all the time. And 
it's just I have like rewatching this. I was laughing at all the same stupid jokes <laughs> that I did when I was younger. Yeah. And it's just fun. I am. I think it's really great. So Tia Carrer. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she plays the love interest Cassandra. Cassandra. Um, that he sees, you know, she's performing <laughs> at a club. And I just want to point out to connect to the singles soundtrack, the one female artist on the single soundtrack is Heart. And I kind of feel like Cassandra's band has almost a similar vibe to Heart. Just, sure. You know, and really and Heart is, sure. is actually on, which I think you know this, the single soundtrack. They're just called the Love Mongers since they're covering Led Zeppelin, but it is them. Yeah. So, but, which um, is funny that you, yeah, that, that's the it, case. I didn't even know they were on there, but that makes sense watching the movie because I haven't looked at that soundtrack in a long time. But Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, th- this movie's very funny. I mean, we're going to talk about both the first movie and the second movie, but I'm just going to say right now the first movie is superior to the oh, second yeah. movie in millions of ways. But I, I, I have... I, I would, I've gone back and forth. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the first really? movie... Really? Yeah, I have. Because there are things... There's two words, Nancy. Kim Basinger. No, not that. You mean honey? <laughs> no, it's not that. No, I know. It's not that. No. Let me get to it. Is let it me get to it. Is it walking? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's me, for me. Well, see, I like here's that, the thing. So, so, so here's... So you basically have two movies that are almost identical because... In a lot of ways. And they came out a year apart. And, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're comparing the two, like, better villain, Rob Lowe or Christopher well, Walken. Of it's Christopher It's Christopher Walken. Walken. Better villain. Except Rob Lowe is the one who gets really condescending about what sparkling wine is versus champagne. Oh, God. And, so funny. And he's all, well, actually, Americans don't understand the nuances and that champagne is a region of France. So they just call every white sparkling wine champagne. Well, it's, I was taken right back to us working at the wine I know, and I, I've but, said that to people uh, kind of as a joke from that movie, but also just it, reality because... Yeah, but then, so but then, funny. what about the scene when they try to do the the sphincter says what trick on Christopher Walken, and he just straight up is like, "Oh, I get it. You're trying to get me to say what?" Like, and this turns it on. They're just like, they're like all shaky. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a better it's a villain, villain upgrade. He's yeah. a it's a, villain, it's a villain upgrade. upgrade. Yeah. But they had to do that, you know. To but the other thing I really like about the second one is the second one brings up a lot of other movies and does all these, like, homages to other movies, some of which we've already talked about. Some of which are going to actually be paired up in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> there is an homage the first one, though, at the end, which is I mean, awesome I mean, just some of the... I was watching this being like, uh, hey, we just talked about Jurassic oh, Park. Oh, <laughs> I, was dying. I was like, we just talked about Jurassic Park. Oh, oh Thelma Robert, Louise. Thelma Louise. Robert Patrick. Oh, yeah, in, Termi- in, in Terminator. I forgot about that because I didn't see That was the so first long. one. That was That's in the fine. first one. But, but either way, there's but, another uh, one. But then the whole the whole thing about how he has a dream. Oh my and god. then he dreams and sees Jim Morrison. Oh my god. And then and then Jim Morrison does like spins the the Field of Dreams line and says, "If you book them, they will come yeah. for to have Wayne stock." Yeah. I was dying, yeah. and I still love that scene. And that and that scene, whole, co- I mean, that's great. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like 
they did Wayne's World, and it's like we've got this small little movie. It's based on this on this sketch that we did. We don't know if it's going to make any money. It is still, I believe, the number one movie that has been based on a sketch on Saturday Night Live. I figured as much. Well. I thought so. It has too. to be. It has made the most money. And then after that, it's like, well, we're just going to make another one, and now we've got this huge fucking budget. And they, you know, they did all they these. They traveled homage. all the way to England. Did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this this English countryside looks really similar mm. to San <laughs> That's an Austin Powers reference for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Love it. But uh, but yeah, I I just re- and then so. You know, you've got this first movie. It's all successful. So they started to make a second movie. The second movie comes out when I'm in eighth grade. I believe it came out right around... It was still in the theater kind of near my birthday. Mm -hmm. So I remember me and friends getting together and seeing it. Yeah. And um, I don't know, man. This is just... Well, the, the other thing about the first movie that's so important to me is... We've talked about many times how much music we had growing up in our house, but our parents didn't have a Queen album. They didn't have any kind of no. greatest hits. No, I didn't either. So no. this movie really broke open Queen for me. It, bro- to- it actually, re- it pretty much revived yeah, the like, following I, I of think, Queen. I think I, after, shortly after this movie came out, I know, got the greatest hits and, you know, finally like really did a deep dive and yeah. like, okay, what are the Queen songs I, mean, I and need that's, to know? And that's why they put Queen. him, they put Mike Myers in yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Because if it wasn't for them having that whole Bohemian Rhapsody scene, you know, it really took... I remember on MTV, they had a video that was the original Bohemian Rhapsody video with scenes from this movie spliced into it. Yeah. And that that was playing on MTV. It was crazy. And Aerosmith is in the second one, which is cool. Yeah, and I I've, guess. I've, I've, seen Aerosmith, <laughs> I've seen Aerosmith perform in the person. Yeah. So I'm at Shoreline in the 90s sometime. Uh-huh. It's in, like, in like 98? I don't remember. Earlier? Later. Probably earlier. Get a grip tour? Yeah. I mean, are, like I said, these aren't, like, Oscar not like Oscar winning movies, but they're just they're a hell of a lot fun of and dumb, and, then, and if you need yes. to laugh at something... They're fun. They're good to put on. Yeah. I mean, Very are they? They're kind of. They're definitely too. kind of. Y- yes. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Gen X comedy. Yes. Yeah. And they definitely. Um, you know, there's certain aspects of them that have not aged very well, but they're still just who, really like, who, fucking who funny. Plays, who plays his um, dream girl in the first one? I know it's Sunny from. It's Donna Dixon. Donna Dixon. That's right. Sunny, 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 sunny. Talking about Garth's dream girl. Yes. Yeah. Garth's gr- dream she was, girl. She was in Bosom Buddies, and she yes, was the woman okay. that Tom Hanks was yeah, yeah. deeply in love with. Uh-huh. Yes. In that show. I am. Um, I have to. I'll tell you guys right now. And I think she was married to Dan Aykroyd at one point. Yes, I believe they might still be. They married. might still be married to get to each other. Garth is absolutely my favorite character. Me too. Me too. I love him so much. He just kills me. I crack up. I laugh at his what he does way more than than uh, Wayne. One of the um, things I love about Garth that they did in the movies was how they expanded his character mm-hmm. to make him like an inventor and like 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 this behind the scenes genius and everything like that. I mean, they really kind of played that up and made him 
a character that was just as entertaining as Wayne. He wasn't just like a sidekick yeah. or like a side character. So and for funny. years, I've tried fighting over the VCR listeners. I've tried to get Matthew to dress up as Wayne so I could be Garth for Halloween. He will not it's do not it with me. Why Maybe not? I can get River to do it. No. <laughs> Oh, it's okay. Yeah. I am not. I am not it. that into Halloween. Sorry. <laughs> he isn't, but I just I'm not either. When I, got, when I came like up with the it. idea, I thought it was great, but he, he shot I down. I thought that sounded familiar when you mentioned <laughs> getting a Garth wig the other, earlier today. Yeah, I was going to wear one today, but. Um, also in this movie is we, beside, you know, as a side character, um, playing Brian Doyle Murray's wife, Mrs. Vanderhoff, is Colleen Camp, who was Yvette in Clue. Really? Yeah. Okay. Since we mentioned Donna yeah. Dixon. Yeah. Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston has a great part in Wayne's World, too. But another f- great character in both of these movies is Ed O'Neill. Oh, my God. As Ed O'Neill. The, so good. As so the donut shop salesman. Funny. Oh, my God. He's amazing. He's so angry. Yeah. Why is it? Why is it? You know, if you go and kill someone, you know, <laughs> so someone, you know, overseas. But if you, you know, you're a hero, but you can't do it if it's in the heat of passion. <laughs> I also love in the second one. Oh, so another like quality of Wayne is like he's very insecure and jealous. Like yes. he gets he's easily. So, tri- Jesus Christ! He's super he's so, jealous because he's, yeah. he's so insecure. He's so insecure. He's so, so, yeah. insecure. so in the second one when it's becoming more obvious that Christopher Walken's going to try and swoop, uh, you know, scoop up Cassandra and take her away, he decides to put on a very goofy, like, crazy mustache, like a Mario, like a Mario Brothers mustache and a spine. And then I knew it. I Because it's been many... I've, I think I've only seen it once. But then they show all the four of them in position to spy and you've got Garth as a sailor as a police crossing oh, police guard officer, yeah, and yeah. then one of the other guys as a motorcycle guy oh, and the yeah. other one's a sailor and I'm like oh my god this is going to become YMCA I know it's going to land in a gay club and become YMCA and sure enough yeah there it did there yeah. right and they've got oh, so awesome but I love the becomes... scene of Christopher Walken running I can't explain why but just kind of he's because he's a dancer mm-hmm. yeah. and so to just kind of watch like him running and he's like so graceful and just I don't know yeah he's he so always great. every movie he's in he tries well at least I don't know about ones as he's gotten older he always tries to like put in some sort of dance move mm. into it and uh when I heard that I was like I started watching his movies and being like, oh, there you go. Yeah, there's so I think little, the running is a dance little, move. For well, he dances one. with Cassandra oh, he does. At, okay. at the club at one point. Um, the other, probably my other favorite scene, which is the homage to um, martial arts films, uh. is when <laughs> James Hong, who was is David Lopan oh, from, yeah. that scene from is great. Big Trouble in Little China, when he comes in as Cassandra's father yeah. and they have the overdubbed fight scene yeah. that is just such a crazy fun that goes on too random scene but then you have the graduate scene oh my god <laughs> at the end oh my god so great son of a bitch the first Presbyterian <laughs> the second Presbyterian <laughs> it was so yeah that was so great so I mean I guess a lot of those movie references are They're funnier so if you get them they're right. only funny if you know what they are. They're not that funny if you the, the don't doors, The Doors one could still be funny if you hadn't watched The Doors movie, just because, yeah. like... because he says, I'm Jim Morrison. But it's still so funnier. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Did you also find it 
um, unnecessary to see his naked buttocks. So yes. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys experience this like I do because I'm an only child, so it's probably different for you because you grew up watching things together that you both liked, and you didn't, and you discussed them with each other, obviously. What? So, you talk about movies? Never. So things like watching Wayne's World, for me, I don't remember what age I watched it. It wasn't in the theater. But I saw it shortly thereafter when it came out on video. One of the things was, in the first one, or no, it's the second one. The second one is the one where they talk about the Scooby-Doo ending, right? No, that's the that's first, the first one. one. They're doing the first one, right? They're doing okay. the first one. Ooh, I, I, oh, I, mix them, I mix them together. <laughs> so, it's not like I didn't know other people like Scooby-Doo. That's not my point. But there's just, there's things about certain movies or cult movies that I liked as a, as a younger, as a kid, as a younger teen, that as I got older and met friends, it was like, oh, wait, like, you love this movie too? Like, I thought mm-hmm. I was weird. Like, I thought I was the only... Per- Groundhog Day is a huge example of this for me, and I know, obviously, both of you guys love that movie. Um, but the, I remember the Scooby-Doo ending part in Wayne's World and just thinking it was the funniest thing I had ever seen and going, oh, my God, like, I felt like it was made for me. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. Um, it's just, it's like... It just it was so funny. Yeah, and <laughs> so... Just and the doors thing too. I thought it was one of those things where it's like when I was I was I'm I still am a huge Doors fan, uh, but I loved them very much in high school. I had Jim Morrison posters, which when I met Matt and met Nancy, I learned she also had, of course, Jim Morrison stuff too. But it just it was like oh man, people like love them enough to like make us a joke in this. Mo- it was just. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, did Wind's World <clears throat> 2 come out before or after the Doors movie? After. The after. Doors movies is like 90? the Doors movie is like 89, 90. I think it's 90. Okay. So so the Doors had already kind of had their little 90s renaissance already mm. before this had okay. happened. Well, and it had to be before because of the whole half naked Indian yeah. scene and all yeah. of that. And they were big, but you know, that probably was a similar thing to Queen and Wayne's World. I'm sure I don't when think, that movie I don't, came out they got a lot more popular again. I don't think they did. I don't no. think that I don't think that because there wasn't actual Doors music in Wayne's World Two, I don't think it got that Oh no no. I mean when the Doors movie came out oh, yeah. it had the same effect like ha, like oh, yeah. the Doors movie on the Doors that Queen did in Wayne's World. Oh yeah. I yeah. I, I believe it did. Yeah. I mean you, I don't know if you have kids in the hall talking, you know, talking <laughs> right. about whether you're a Doors right. fan or not. Right. You know. Maybe earlier. That was, that, was, that was after. Oh, man. That movie. We'll, we'll talk about that. If one you're a real time. Doors fan, Love Her Madly is the one song you won't like. <laughs> 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 so love, her, love Her Madly is excellent. Just, it's just, she's just making the kids in the hall. I know. After these, they make the two movies. I think that it kind of, it definitely peaked about on the second movie. And then Mike Myers goes and does Austin Powers movies. He does Shrek. There you go. There's his career. I don't know how much longer he stayed on um, Saturday Night Live after. You know what's funny is, is I, I think that a lot of the actors kind of, it's almost like, oh, you're in movies now? You can't be on our show. And I think a lot of the actors don't 
like once their movie careers really take off, the show is just I don't have time for this. Well, I think like well, Adam Sandler. So I don't know how much he was still I, in movie. Like in, a lot of the show I think I think movies. like Adam Sandler, like Chris Farley. I think was leaving the show anyway, yeah. maybe. And he, when he starts doing his stuff, and then and then um, Chris Farley was on longer. I think he was still on when Tommy Boy came out. Tommy, yeah. Tom, I mean. But if it's not for Wayne's World and the success that it had oh, from yeah. its sketches, I mean, there was others like the Blues Brothers were characters that were on Saturday Night Live in the seventies and they got a movie. Okay. okay. I mean, it's not like it was unheard of. Okay. But when Wayne's World happened in the nineties, I mean, I don't think you get a night at the Roxbury. No. If Wayne's World doesn't come out. Superstar. Superstar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you get that. God, was there a David Spade character that got a movie. Well, he was in Tommy Boy, wasn't he? I've never he seen was. Tommy Boy. He was. It wasn't a character. But, but he didn't have. Seen he didn't have no. like. I think it's on Matt's list. I don't know if I have it on on my list, but I, I Sherry actually introduced me to Tommy Boy, <laughs> and and, and Billy Ma- and Billy Madison. Tommy Boy, I, I find far far superior like to Billy Tommy Madison. Tommy Boy's funnier. Tommy Boy's funnier. I, but yeah, <clears> I easier, had easier to watch. Singles though. <laughs> I mean, what other? I mean, there's been a ton of Saturday Night Live based based movies since this movie, since Wayne's World came out, and this is definitely the one that I find to be the funniest, the best, the one I can relate to the most. Mm-hmm. And it was, I really enjoyed rewatching these movies. It was, and you know, it's probably been over ten years. Since oh since I've watched it's them. been over twenty at least for me but um, your They're grandma funny. bought them for you on DVD for Christmas one year I remember she that, did which I, I was asked funny. for them nice and, mm-hmm. and you know I had the Wayne's World the first Wayne's World soundtrack mm-hmm. I did not have the second one the first one features a lot of really good music some questionable music but you know it's a lot of they're fun and especially with everything going on. I'd pop them in if I were you, because you'll laugh. Or yeah, I was or, cracking up today. If you're not laughing at the at the jokes themselves, you could laugh at how stupid they are. Yeah, there's definitely that too. <laughs> so, anyway. So I already said Garth's my favorite character. So did Sherry. Who's yours, Matt? Um, if it's between the two movies, um, it's probably Garth. It's not that I don't find Wayne entertaining or funny, but his his jealousy and lack of um, self confidence is annoying. So I I just don't care to watch that, even though it's a very real thing. Um, and it's pretty funny when he tries to do the stairway solo, and, like, and he's like, "Let me call the can get the attention of the." And that's a real thing that happened. Oh yes. In the seventies like when that song came out. Still happens. It, there's like a list of like five or ten songs that like all music stores are like you cannot play this because everyone would play them and just that's drives hilarious. them crazy. But yeah, it's Isn't definitely one so in the beginning of Soak on the Water. Probably. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just um, or um or Sunshine on My Love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's probably Garth. He's he's just fun to watch he's hilarious and um my favorite scenes I really love the dream sequence scene 
You love dream I, sequences. I love this guy loves dream sequences. I love the scene. I love the Scooby Doo ending. That is so good. <laughs> and um, I also love in the first one when he goes to to the music video to try and win her back, and everything just goes wrong, and he's just like. I know there's no film in this camera, and he opens it up, and all the film falls out. <laughs> or when he's like trying to, cr- and he's like crying, and he like throws the water on his face, and it says Oscar Oscar yeah. clip underneath it, yeah. and stuff like that. I, I, mean, I this is so this isn't one scene, but it's like pieces of two scenes from the second movie when they're carrying the chickens out. And then they're bringing out the watermelons, and then the guys walk holding the, the glass. glass the whole time. I'm like, wait a minute. What is going to... Because, again, I've only seen this movie, I think, once, so I don't remember They're all setting the things it up. that happen. Yeah. And then later on, when he's trying to go get her, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He drives he through <laughs> all of it. And, and Jack and I have made jokes about... Um, there's a track at a high school not far from us that he used to walk at more, and I don't really... I haven't walked there in really years. But when there's so many people there, we kind of joke about all of these, like, obstacles that are coming up. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, someone carrying a pane of glass is just coming by. Or someone, like, pushing an orange card is coming by. And it just... It, it reminds me of the me. video game Paperboy on, that was on Nintendo, the original yeah. NES. Um, it, it, so, because that was the kind of stuff that you'd have to, like, you know... Obstacles. Get around to deliver your papers. But then, yeah. but then after he drives through all the stuff, the guys who were carrying it all, they're like... Our job is done. Like that is why they were there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, well, like when you first see them, what are you doing? Oh, well, this I'm is just all I'm doing. I'm just restacking and unstacking and restacking these cartons of chickens, <laughs> and so I have to silly. make sure that there's fresh watermelons here all the time. Oh, and we're just carefully ca- carrying this glass back and forth from yeah. one side of the street to the other. Super <laughs> silly. You know, in that same vein, do, how many like fast food people you feel sorry for? Where people are trying to imitate like the Wayne's World scene, like oh. like with a burger and. Fr- that Shake. was that was good. Yeah, and you know is what? It, it's an Wayne and Garth were no. totally mooted because yes. the <laughs> drive-through guy knew exactly what kind of donuts that they were. Right. Got mooted. It was so funny. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's right. Well, anyway, that was a lot of fun to talk about and rewatch. I have nothing else to add, but if you guys do not, I just want to add. Holy shit! Fifty episodes. Fifty. Fifty Woo! episodes Matt, in the can bag. Can I be Frank? Can I still be Nancy? Can I still be Matt? <laughs> Sorry, go. <ahead. laughs> can I have 50 episodes, please continue. If you have been there from the beginning, we really want to thank you all for listening. You guys are rock stars. We like to thank our the guests that we've had, like Sherry. Thanks. So thank you very much for coming on. Welcome. I hope that you. Um, enjoyed watching these movies i know we did yeah this has been a a lot of fun we are not stopping doing this we will continue doing this it's not like it we're 50 and done Nope. let's do another 50 if we can it's there's a lot of movies out there there's a lot of movies (laughs) lots of discussions lots of ways for me to irritate matt with some romantic comedies there's a lot of ways for me to bash on jerry Maguire, but <sighs> you know what it's, it's fun. fun to talk about these movies and kind of connect them to our lives yeah. and this is going to sound super cheesy but 
you know, when I started doing this, I really kind of wanted it to be kind of a time capsule kind of thing that, you know, we talk about what's going on now. We talk about how we grew up and it's been a lot of fun. And anyway, if I can come up with some more embarrassing stories about Nancy, I'll, I'll, I'll bring those up. He loves doing that. It's, I don't see why you'd be embarrassed about it now. Some of those stories are like 30 years old. No one even remembers oh. that time when that thing happened. Oh, <laughs> like, come on, I'll try and think of one about him to make it yeah, even. That would be good. <laughs> anyway. But thank you, Matt, for being my podcast ho- co-host here for all this time. It's been great. Well, you know what? What else am I going to do these days? <laughs> well, you know. I'd like to hope you'd still choose to do it even if we weren't isolated. <laughs> Uh, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. It's been fun. So, again, everybody, thank you very much for listening. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. This has been Fighting Over the VCR. 